Talk and Pray for Life and Business, faith-based personal development courses and coaching, tapping into our best life. Hi, I'm Mary Lou Cassida for Talk and Pray, and it took me a while to settle into myself. Do you know the feeling? Capable, ambitious, but wanting more? More impact, more success, more satisfaction? Me too. I've been a mompreneur and now maturepreneur. How do you like that term? (laughs) And I have a lifetime of experience, work, family, love, and loss that combined with the truth of scripture have taught me valuable lessons. I have a passion to share that wisdom with women of faith who want more. Welcome to Talk and Pray for Life and Business. Listen to me, shame. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Have you heard the old expression? It's supposed to remind us to learn from our mistakes, to figure out how to do better in a single painful lesson, and then move on with our lives. Simple, right? But shame really doesn't work that way, does it? If you've lived any length of time, you likely have something that causes you shame. The most non-self-aware person can identify with shame, even if it's for surface things like a hair in a mole, (laughs) or how you look in a bathing suit, or that embarrassing passing of gas, or blurting out something you meant to say only internally. Reminds me of a dining out story with my children from a few years ago. Emily, Sam, Will, and I landed at a Cracker Barrel on a random Sunday, and Will was always excited to get a Sunday on Sunday. He liked the irony of it, I think, a Sunday on Sunday. At the other end of the restaurant, the wait staff carried out a piece of Coca-Cola cake with a candle and started a robust version of Happy Birthday at a table of people we didn't know. And they, chagrined as most people are to be serenaded by servers who may or may not really enjoy what they are singing, endured the off-key rendition. As the servers finished up the chorus, my quiet, introverted, youngest child, nine or ten years old, suddenly lifted his face up, pumped his fist in the air dramatically, and yelled, yelled, mind you, woohoo! <laughs> now, we, of course, totally cracked up. And in the context of family, safe as it was, I don't think Will has experienced any lingering shame from the incident. But those embarrassing moments can hang around for a decade or three and be replayed in our memory, like the time I fell at a local restaurant and showed the unsuspecting diners my fancy underwear. I actually dreamed about it last night. And in my dream... A former young pastor of mine saw it, and with blared eyes and a mystified gulp, he said, Is that, are you wearing granny panties? His wife looked at me with judgy eyes and said, Mary Lou. I woke up embarrassed and ashamed. I don't know which was worse, the pastor's imagined remarks or the fact that I was wearing granny panties. All this from an incident a hundred years ago. And seriously, granny panties are comfortable, sister. Wear them with pride. (laughs) Brene Brown says there are 12 shame categories that are most familiar to us humans. Appearance and body image, money and work, motherhood and fatherhood, family, parenting, mental and physical health, addiction, sex, aging, religion, surviving trauma, and being stereotyped and labeled. Oh my word, 
There's no area of life that is exempt. Brown further explains that shame is the belief that we are flawed and unworthy of belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do renders us unworthy of connection. Imagine mistakes and judgment, failures, hurts, and lost hopes. We carry these like a bag of stones slung around our neck, adding daily to the burden with promises to ourselves and to others that we break, expectations of ourselves and others that never quite materialize, things done and undone to us and by us, and we are left wanting, wanting love and connection and relief from the nagging sense that we are not enough and never will be. What are the things that cause you to experience shame? Mine fall in those categories described by Brene Brown. Body image, work failure, money issues, anybody dealing with dead and the associated guilt and shame, and of course, foot and mouth disease. And the shame thing grows like mold. One little green spot on your white picket fence or the side of your house, and you turn around and find the whole shebang is eat up with it. Do I have to tell you it's toxic? And secrecy, darkness, and isolation make it grow. I can remember my mom pulling out old wool army blankets from our little well house. It was a cement block structure that held a water pump that pulled water up from an underground well and into our house. The well house was typically cool, and mom used a portion of it to store potatoes all winter long since we didn't have a cellar. She'd use the wool blankets to cover and insulate the potato bins so the spuds didn't freeze and ruin over the winter and spring seasons. At the end of summer, she'd pull out the blankets, spread them out on the lawn to get sanitized by sunlight, the light killing any mildew or mold that may have grown on them through the winter snows and spring and summer rains. Once dried and free of spores, they were good for service again, and the fall harvest would go into the wellhouse and the blankets would be used to protect our stores once again. So how do we sanitize ourselves from the mold of shame? Well, as the writer of Hebrews concludes his hall of faith in chapter 11, in chapter 12, he opens with a challenge to let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1b and 2 in the ESV. Looking to Jesus, we see a shift in perspective. Before him was the cross and the accompanying shame. Scripture says he was despised and rejected, and Jesus was facing the cross, which was not just the cruelest of punishments. It was the most humiliating punishment. It was absolute exposure. The crucified criminals were stripped naked, abandoned, afraid, and dying. Can you imagine the weight of those moments? Yet Jesus laid that weight aside along with our sin, and he looked forward. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. What weighty shame do you need to lay aside? Like my mama's wool blanket, exposure to the light will help. Light overcomes darkness, and shame is a dark place for most of us. For me, the shame of my shortcomings becomes a soundtrack that plays in the background of my thoughts. 
opening up to a trusted friend, mentor, pastor, but not one who's seen my panties in my dreams, thank you. A coach, a counselor, all can help. Exposing your shame to light reduces its power. And understand that who we are is not related to our deepest shame. I am not a failure just because I failed. Failure is an event, not an identity. Renee Brown says that empathy is shame's cure. How much easier it is to feel empathy for myself and others when I understand our value to the God of the universe. How much easier to love myself and others when I understand how much Jesus loves you and me. How much easier to forgive myself and others, knowing He founded and perfected our faith, and as He sits at the right hand of God, He is enjoying you and me. And how much easier to run the race, the race of life, relationships, business, to finish, to keep my promises to myself and others, to stay the course, to lay aside the weights of sin, shame, distraction, procrastination, when I surrender to the one who for the joy of relationship with me, the joy of eternity with his father in me, for joy endured despising the shame, so that shame became yet another enemy he defeated at the cross. My money shame, my body shame, my disappointment shame, my panty shame, all defeated, and none of it, none of it changed Jesus' opinion of me, nor diminished his love for me and joy about me. In What Does It Mean for Jesus to Despise Shame? John Piper imagines Jesus' words. He writes, Listen to me, shame. Do you see that joy in front of me? Compared to that, you are less than nothing. You are not worth comparing to that. I despise you. You think you have power? Compared to the joy before me, you have none. Joy, joy, joy. That is my power, not you, shame. You are worthless. You are powerless. Exposure to the light through friendship and community, searching for and appropriating joy, and allowing Jesus to bury your shame in his tomb, then rising with him with a new perspective will help put shame in its place. Music speaks to me, and there's a song called My Worth is Not in What I Own, written by Keith and Kristen Getty and Graham Kendrick, and recorded by Fernando Ortega. Check it out on YouTube. But in its haunting and simple tune and words, the song goes like this. My worth is not in what I own, not in strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose, in pride or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. As summer flowers we fade and die, fame, youth, and beauty hurry by, but life eternal calls to us at the cross. I will not boast in wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ at the cross. Two wonders here that I confess, my worth and my unworthiness, my value fixed my ransom paid at the cross. I don't want the toxicity of shame to hold me back from being and doing all that God has designed me to be and do. Jesus despised it, so I will too. My worth is established. Whatever residual shame that lingers, 
I will surrender to his death, burial, and resurrection. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Father, my shame brings me to my knees, and yet you took it for me. So I ask for your help to bury it and to be raised to walk in the calling, the destiny, the hope, and the peace that Jesus gave his life to provide for me. As he bore and despised my shame on the cross, I lay it down so that I can run my race with endurance. Remind me daily that your love is not dependent upon my performance and your love is not diminished when I am not my best. Help me to be focused, focused on you, on the tasks laid before me, on the goals I hear you calling me to. Help me be faithful to not quit, to conquer fear, and to press in even when life is hard, even when I feel my most unworthy. And help me be a finisher like Jesus, to follow through, to not delay or procrastinate, to fulfill your plans for me. Thank you for never being ashamed of me. I am your daughter in love, and I will praise you for your faithfulness and loving kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Talk and Pray for Life and Business. To learn more about the podcast and to get today's transcript, notes, and other content, go to talkandpray.us slash podcast. Join me every Tuesday for more Talk and Pray. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave a positive review if you'd like to hear more content like this. This Talk and Pray podcast is sponsored by Talk and Pray for Life and Business, faith-based personal development courses and coaching. Music is In the Field by Audionautics.com. Look for Talk and Pray on Facebook and Instagram.